Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. You've got mail. Hi, so you've got mail. Hi, Atala. Hi. So um, you want to tell us about yourself in about a minute? Yeah. Um, well, everything I know I got from my parents who were both uh, quite leading figures work in Israeli literature, children's literature, my father was a researcher and a translator, and he uh, published two books, two uh, uh, volumes of uh, lexicon, I don't know how to say it in English, (laughs) uh, of uh, of, uh, children book writers all over the world. It's quite out of date now. Uh, But he was really, I think, the first person to research the Israeli children was also a writer uh, for himself and my mother was also used to write children books and he taught me everything I know about translation and about uh, about books etc but I must say that my elder daughter told me taught me everything I more than than him about the subtext of children's literature she okay. my father didn't and even your, you have uh, some uh, writers in, 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 like your grandparents. Right. My father's father was a poet in Yiddish. A Yiddish poppic. Right. And uh, we even, my, my grandfather wrote a children's book called uh, what, The White Pigeon or something like that. And my father translated it into Hebrew and I illustrated it because I used to illustrate children's books also. 
So that's the secret. That's a secret we didn't know about you. Right. And how about Yiddish? That's the that's the part of art in Yiddish. Well, my, my parents, I, I I allowed them to use this language as the language that I don't understand, and I didn't try. But I do know Dutch, and Dutch is a little bit similar to Yiddish. So better not talk about me behind my back when I'm there in Yiddish because I might understand. What in in Yiddish or in uh, or in, in Dutch? Yiddish. No, in Dutch, I understand everything, I think. I hope. Who had it with you? Ah, it good. Thank you well. And with you. Good, good. I hope from Netherlands. Ah, good. So, I hope. Okay, but uh, I hope. Yeah, but uh, most of our uh, most of our fans I, I wouldn't know how to, how to, you know, mommy was the one that said what we should do, what we should eat, how we should act. Daddy didn't um, concern himself in that at all, but he was the one that put me to sleep every evening with lots and lots of stories. I even gave him a reduction. I remember when I was about three or four, that he doesn't have to tell me eight stories from now on, only three before bed. So... Um... He taught me how to read and write also because ever since I was very small, I used, I used to sit in his lap with a book open in front of us. And the book was in Hebrew, punctuated Hebrew, of course. And when I was three, I actually knew how to read and write just because I sat in front of him and listened to him read in perfect, uh, how do you say, diktia in, in English, whatever, fiction, right? Um, and... It was like learning sight and sound, you know, in Berlitz and the schools of languages. I saw what he was reading and I got it. And then when I was six and I went to grade one and the teacher wrote something on the blackboard, I raised up my finger and I said, but listen, uh, teacher, the, under the, this letter, it should be a chataf patach, not a kamatz. I, I corrected the punctuation mark. It's, it's always it's bad. always a good idea to correct your teachers. No, it's very bad. She yeah. got very angry, and she <clears throat> told everybody to leave the class. And she went to the principal, and she said, "It's either her or me." So they uh, flung me into grade two. That was grade one. Oh, I thought that they were. I thought they were going to get rid of uh, the the teacher. <laughs> didn't have many. Choices. Okay. So, but uh, in addition, so so. Um, Atara, I don't know you, but you're definitely a daddy's girl. Um, <laughs> so, but in grade, in the second grade, uh, your folks took you to Canada. In grade, in second grade, sorry? When you were seven, you went to Canada. Yes, right. In the middle of second grade, which was supposedly my first, uh, my dad got a PhD. I got a, a milga, what do you call Scholarship, yeah, whatever. Uh, to um, to uh, complete his uh, PhD in children's literature in Canada, in Toronto's big children book library. I think it's the biggest in the world, or second after Munich. I don't remember. And um, and so we spent there three years, and hence my better English than usual. Uh, in yeah, no, your English is great. So while I you're, you're a bit younger than me, of course, but when I was growing up in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. You were growing up in Toronto. Right. I don't know if you're younger than me. You don't look. Trust me, I am. Um, I mean, you look, you look my age. 
Oh, I'm, I'm a bit older. Let's, you know, we're not going to go into all of this stuff. It's not okay. that interesting. Who's older than okay. me? Uh, but we grew up in the same era. Uh, what school did you go to in Toronto? It, it was Talmud Torah. Talmud Torah. Like yeah. There was no so, choice. I, I remember it was winter when we got there, and uh, I went to school in pants, in, in uh, fleece pants or whatever the, the material was then. And I was sent home because uh, the girls there had to wear skirts over above their pants. So it wasn't even yes, a, it wasn't even associated. It was associated school. It was Talmud Torah. Probably. So and um, and that's uh, that's wonderful. So uh, you had the winters and the, and you learned English. But um, let's go back now to your early childhood. Which children's books were among the eight that your father read to you every night? Uh, listen, first of all, three or four, half of the stories he told me were stories from when dad was a little kid. So it was from his own head. And the rest was from the best of the, you know, the classic uh, literature for kids. Um, Hebrew, but Israel, Israel, Israeli literature or world literature? Yeah, uh, well, the, Israel was very, it was only five years old. The state of Israel was five years old. There were not many Israeli, but Hebrew books, of course. Um, I think he, he read a lot of Miriam Yalanch Tekelis, which is really one of the best writers in, for children who, who put an emphasis on feelings, which not many knew how to do it as well as she did because she was actually a child and her inner child lived on because she had no kids and, and she lived by herself and uh, a lonely child until her death probably. And she really gave a voice to this lonely feeling of children. I think all children, I, I grew up to understand it not long ago, that all children have a secret soul and they are inside quite lonely and feel nobody understands them, even if they're happy children with loving parents. And she gave a voice to that small feeling that every child feels from now okay, on. Okay, we can, we can name a few other authors that... Uh... Of course. Uh, um, Leah Goldberg and, and some friends yes, of mine that uh, of course that alive and healthy. Yes, and Ayn Hillel and um, Anda Amir Pinkerfeld, her new, her known book, Vahi uh, Erev, uh, with the little child and the hens and the rooster and whatever. And of course, also translated books, uh, uh, Pooh, uh, what do you call it? Winnie the Pooh. Um, no, uh, no. Millen, yes. And, um, Winnie, Winnie the Pooh is Winnipeg, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's short for that. <laughs> yes. So, so um, but, but you believe that all of the people that, that write children's books and edit, um, we're all kids. I guess so. Look, my father was for sure a kid in his heart. He never really took much interest in, in grown-up literature. He read beside his bed or only, only, only children books. And whenever he wasn't very social, you know, when, he, when he, my mother and him used to go to friends, he would immediately, like a magnet, go to the uh, bookshelves and start uh, taking out books and uh, leaving through them, leafing. And um, that was his world. 
I think that really uh, people who like children books and, and, and work with children books at, at their elderly age must have a very a dear corner in their heart for childhood. And, and, and you and your sister also got into this market. Yes, my sister is, uh, is uh, religious and she got into the religious market, yes. So, I mean, you could have been a nuclear scientist or something. Who knows? Who knows? You know, I, I also, uh, I found out that when I was born, um, I was born uh, the, what do you call it, cord? Uh, from the... Umbilical cord. Umbilical cord was, uh, was wrapped around me and I was born uh, blue from the waist up. So I, I lacked a few seconds of uh, oxygen to my brain. So who knows, you know, if that didn't happen, I would have been God knows what. <laughs> so instead of becoming Dr. Spock, you became Dr. Seuss. Well, let's now uh, uh, move ahead. So uh, what, what are your favorite uh, uh, children's books in English, for example? Well, uh, I don't just, really... Just a, a couple of them. You mean uh, even old, uh, like of the ones that I translated? Years. Of course, the ones that I translated are very dear to my heart. Alice in Wonderland, um, the following book, which is called the Be uh, Behind the Mirror, and what Alice found there. I don't remember how it was called in English. What's it called in Hebrew? Book, um, through the mirror, through the ah, looking through, glass. Through, through the, the looking, looking glass. And what Alice found there, or something like that. Yeah. Dr. Doolittle, uh, Pollyanna. Um, I love uh, uh, the, the author that I cherish the most in writing English, wrote in Swedish, that's Astrid Lindgren. I think she is the greatest children's writer that I've ever who, known. Who among the living uh, writers of children's books in English, who would you like to meet? Um, the one that wrote uh, Ivy and Bean. I've translated the whole series, and I think she's a genius. I love her. I used to translate, and my, my uh, fingers used to tremble from laughing, and sometimes even I shed a tear. She is a genius. She, she does things in, those, in that series. I love her. So that's the one. Annie, Annie Barrows. She, Annie Barrows, her name is. And um, so uh, what... What makes a good children's book? It's a good children's book. And why aren't you a writer? Why are you an editor mainly? I'll answer your second question first. I think that people become artists, whatever, you know, photographers, painters, musicians, or writers, when they have something in their childhood that they wanted to express and they couldn't. They, they couldn't express something that was very deep and very strong. They couldn't express it in words. And therefore, when they grew up, they found a sublime way to, uh, to express it. If in words, if in music, if in art, whatever. Now, I suppose, uh, I really don't know. I, uh, lately, I've become, I, I started to realize things from my childhood that were quite uh, uh, suppressed. So who knows, maybe I'll find, out, I'll find out later on when I grow up that I have things to write. But usually I'm such a talker 
that I usually just blurred, blurred, blah, 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 everything I, I had to say. So there was nothing left to, to express in a sublime way or whatever. But I have a very great desire to, um, to improve things that other people write or to translate or to help texts uh, reach um, as many readers as they can. And therefore, I am an editor and a translator with other texts of, that other, other people wrote. I have an explanation for that, but that won't do here. It's very psychological why I did that. But, my, uh, <laughs> my listeners are anxious to hear this. <laughs> well, I'll just say in very, in very short that when I was in the kindergarten, um, I did something that was that uh, created um, some sort of. Uh, um, I should hide this phone so it won't make noise. Wait. I, I did something that created uh, dirt and uh, something that wasn't pleasant, and I got I was very ashamed, and I think that on that day I was two I was two years old. I decided that I will never be blamed for a fault uh, that that can be seen or something, and I took it on myself to correct other people's faults also. So they won't be caught. I guess that's a sort of because I used to also uh, be very pedant in in um, in grammar and correct people and everything. I I gave that up. I don't do this anymore because it's futile. It's futile. Once it wasn't. Once not many people made mistakes. But ever since you can read texts that are not edited or not uh, have not been uh, taken care of in the internet. Everybody writes whatever they want, so Hebrew became a very uh, free language, and you cannot put it into uh, frames anymore, and it's okay with me. Even I say chamesh shekel or eser shekel. It's a, it's a mistake in Hebrew for those who do not understand. So, um, but I mean, it's not too late. <laughs> you, could, you could now write something, and I would edit it for you. Great, I'll think about it. <laughs> the minute we stop uh, the interview, I'll think about it. Okay, so I mean, but th there is an element, um, when, you, when you edit other people's work, right, you could be writing your own work. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, I, there was another part of the, your question that I didn't answer. What was that? Uh, not uh, why I don't write, but what do, what was it? What do I like in uh, in editing or in? Yeah, I don't. You can answer whatever you like. It was years <laughs> ago. I'm completely sclerotic. Um, I think you know. I get a lot of manuscripts from from people that that send me and ask me if there's any potential to what they wrote. Can can we make it a child a children book? And many people live in the false uh, assumption that. Writing for children is easier, which is not. It's on the vice versa. It's 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 harder because you 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 are opening the gates of literature for kids who have who don't know it, and you have to be very very careful. It's like I think that that literature for youngsters, for for toddlers and up, is like poetry. Every word is is very very important. There shouldn't be any word that is not in place. 
and every word has a meaning and, uh, and the subtext has a meaning. Many people have unfinished businesses from their childhood and they want to express them. And they think, well, I won't write a novel now. It's, it's so difficult. I'll write a little children's book. I'll make a few rhymes. I'll get somebody to illustrate them, a few pages. But it's not that. It's, it's not. A, a, a writer for children is, a, is a, a profession. It's not a hobby. You can't uh, just go and write it. So many times I get such things and I tell people that maybe they chose the easy way out and maybe they should try and write books for grown-ups or poetry or whatever, not for children, because it's a very, very, very responsible profession. Not everyone can do it. Okay, but in, in today's world, I have the same dilemma, okay? Uh, yeah. Because on the one hand, I want to be a very good author. And on the other hand, I want the whole world to be able to write. <laughs> and I live in this dilemma. That yeah. I, I want people to be able to express themselves in this mode, but without thinking that whatever they write is going to go straight into a into penguin or, uh, or whatever. <laughs> of course, right. Uh, so, so people come to you, yeah, um, and they've written something that, let's say, really is not good. It not not just in your opinion, but it's not good for whatever reason. The rhyme, the yeah. meter, the story, the character, whatever. Uh -huh. What do you tell them? Well, it depends. Sometimes I have to be very, very careful and very polite because, like, for instance, somebody sent me a story about a little dwarf that lived in a forest and he lost his, his way home. He couldn't find home. So... Uh, and nobody helped him, and he was so miserable. And then came a few animals who took them on his, uh, an animal took him on his, her back, and then he fell off, and she never noticed. And another animal took him on his back, and she never noticed when he fell, etc., which is very frightening, of course. Uh, but then they found him asleep, uh, wet and, and cold, near a swamp or something, and they took him while he was asleep home, and they sang him lots of... Uh, uh, great songs, how great he is and how nice he is. And there I saw, you know, um, I, I told her that that a child uh, immediately ident identifies himself with the hero of the story. And she is bringing the hero into such situations that a child could not stand, could not bear. And I gave her a few uh, advice, uh, such, some advice about it. But for instance, sometimes it's, it's very, uh, even naive. A friend of mine who is a pilot wrote a book about uh, his grandson uh, and he, who found out that there was a little airplane that was uh, needed fixing. And he asked grandpa if he could fix it for him. And grandpa went and fixed it for him and ta ta ta. It was not so easy. And then he took him on the plane and they went uh, to a, for a ride. And he asked me if it's worthwhile. And I told him, listen, most stories in the world are based on a very simple nuscha, um, what do you call it? Uh, um, formula. Yeah. A wants to get B, but uh, there is an um, obstacle called C that disturbs him to get B. And so in children books, mostly where there is a happy end, A overcomes C in order to get B. And we need some conflict in order to identify ourselves with what's happening and to be 
in a little bit of tension what's going to happen. And when there is no conflict or when grandpa fixes the plane without any real conflict, it's not, and, uh, it's not interesting enough for anybody but this pilot's family and the grandchild. And it's a beautiful memory of, of a, a grandpa, child, a grandson uh, experience but it won't interest anybody. So in this case, you know, it depends. Every time I, I try to get into the person's shoes, understand why, try and understand together sometimes why they wrote it, what they wanted to tell. And actually, I even made Tarshim uh, Zrima, how do you call it? Tarshim Zrima. Flowchart. Yeah, flowchart. I said, you know, you need me in your life. You know, I, I, can, <laughs> I know. I, I, can sit, I can sit beside you. And every 17 minutes, you'll need a word in English. And you'll yeah, say, hey, you. What do you say, Tarshim? I might I'll say, invest in flowchart. And you'll say, you'll say, okay. Yeah, well, I made a flowchart. <laughs> I made a flowchart saying, should I write for children? And, in, and it's, I, I wish, I, maybe I can show it to you, but it's in Hebrew. And it's, it's like questions, should I? If, I? if I write to the, why do I write for children? What do I want to convey to children, etc.? And most of the questions are, if it's no, write to the drawer or write for the children you love. Sometimes people want to write children books for the kids that they love in their world. So write for them. Leave all the other children alone. They're not, they didn't do anything. They, they don't have to be punished. But... Um, it depends. Uh, I, I wish I could show you. If, if you want, I could try and look for it in my... No, we, we, we'll do another interview next month. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and we'll do it in English, and, uh, and you'll explain. Great. But, but, okay, so, but there's a lot of children's books, especially these days, that don't ascribe to this uh, common, uh, um, the cla this classic Greek uh, uh, structure. Yeah, of course. Um, so... What, what, what bugs me, and I really want to ask you, okay, somebody comes to you, and, in, in, and you feel that maybe this book is not going to be a professional children's book. The book why, is not going... It's not going to be a professional children's book. Uh, they're not going to be able to sell it to, uh, to a traditional publishing company. Mm -hmm. um, but is, is that okay? Um, if you say to them, I don't think it's... It, it's, it's a, it's a, has professional potential, but I can help you make it better. Um, the, the same way that uh, somebody learning tennis doesn't necessarily want to go to Wimbledon. Is there, a place, is there a place for writers who want to write children's stories and just do the best they can? Of course. Listen, uh, the big uh, publishers especially now in Corona days where all the publishers are a bit shaky, uh, don't tend to uh, invest in children's books and picture books, especially uh, if you're a beginner, if, if your name is not known yet and it's not for sure a bestseller. But today it's very easy, quite simple to, to uh, publish a book on your own. It's about 30,000 shekels, about $10,000 more or less, or a little bit less than 10,000 euros uh, to, to publish a book with the full color process, uh, illustrations, everything. 
But many people forget that they needed an editor. So, uh, but if they remember that, they have a chance to have a good book in their hands and try and sell it where they live and then coffee shops, etc. And sometimes these, some of these books really make it. Some of them do. But, but almost, almost all of them fail. Well, most of them, yeah. 90% of, the, of these books sell less than 100 copies. Yeah, but mainly the, the people that made them didn't want to really sell. They wanted to see themselves in print. No, but, but, but Atara, would you actually invest 30,000 shekel of your own money making a book for your family that you're going to sell less than 100 copies? I, if you ask me, this is the, this, I help people publish children's books for free. Because to spend 30,000 shekel... It's and, not and my fee. I know, and all of, yeah, I know, but you, you know, you take a, a, an illustrator, and and uh, and and you have the. I, I've never met a, a writer that doesn't think that their book is going to be amazing, and that everybody's going to want to buy it, and that they're going to make now two thousand books at the beginning, and when they finish making the two thousand books and selling them, they're going to make five thousand books. I always warn them. I always warn them in advance and I tell them there's a hard, hardly a chance. And sometimes, you know, when I feel that the person uh, I'm dealing with is, uh, has no money or so, I hardly take anything, if at all, just something uh, very... Um, yeah, but the edit, the edit, you don't take a lot of money anyway for editing a book. Well, you know, but if you got a lot of, not a lot of money and the 30,000 shekel is not a very big issue, and go ahead, whatever. Yeah, but then you see, you don't have it. Okay, so I, I, I've, I've lived through all of these different scenarios. I'm sure. Okay, when you self-publish a book for thirty thousand shekel, even if you take the best editors in the country or the world, which I, which I did, okay. Yeah. You still don't get a quality book. Why? If you, if it's edited and taken care of and a professional... Because it, it, it's not taken care of because in a, in, a, in a publisher, you have so many different iterations on the way, choosing the right illustrator, choosing the right font and the right paper and the right uh, layout. And it's, uh, it's, not, it's not impossible to do even without a, a, a big publisher. If, you, if professional people can do it without the frame behind them. We, we do it and some, I, I also uh, write uh, um, recommendations about books and I get books from all over the place. And a few of the books that I got were uh, published on a, uh, independent, uh, independently and they were great and I, some of them really made it. So it's true, not very many, but there's always a chance. Never yeah, lose a the, the chance could be one in a hundred. Maybe. So um, what, uh, what would you tell people? Yeah, this is your opportunity to tell people about, about what you do, what you love to do. Um, you know, Israel is one of the only places where publishers charge you money to read a manuscript. Really? Yes. In, in America, they never charge you. And wow. no traditional publisher will, and no agent of any, uh, of any uh, worth charge you money to read a manuscript it's it's quite new in israel too it's only the last 15 years i think it, it wasn't like that before yeah that's because they, they published so few books 
Right, so, and also many people got computers and they can write and write and write. Before that, you had to have good muscles on your, in your writing hand in order to write many, many things. Can you imagine that in the United States, agents get dozens and dozens of these manuscripts every day. Right. And many of them read them for free. They, they turn down 99.9% of them. Yeah, I'm sure. So our job is to be that 0.1%. So what is, your, what is your advice to the people who will listen? Most writers really don't listen. They think that they're really good. If you tell them that they really need to do a major revision, they say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. This is, this is gold. This is platinum. If you don't want it, no problem. I'll find somebody. How do you, how do you address these people? I, I was one of those people for many years, by the way. Well, it depends what the, what the text they wrote is worth. You know, sometimes it really is gold. For instance, I just read your story about the doors. I loved it. It's gold. I really did. Emily and the doors, it's yeah. beautiful. I'd, I'd publish it today if I were a publisher. The other story, I would tell you that the end I wrote you, that the ending is a bit foreseen. And if you could make it a bit less unexpected about the granny and her birthday, it would be great. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay, but it, it took me 60 years to start listening to editors. <laughs> I spent 60 years arguing with editors. What a big mistake. Oh, I guess the arguments were interesting, though. You can, you can bet they were very interesting. <laughs> now, when I get advice like that, it's not even a critique, it's advice. I, I don't like the word critic, critique. Right, you're right. Is, is there such a thing as as what we call a, um, a constructive criticism. Do you believe in constructive criticism? Yes, of course. I try I to give it. No, not criticism. I believe in advice. I thought that you were saying that advice is constructive criticism. Well, exactly, be. because when we say constructive criticism, the word criticism comes from being a critic, right? Yeah. Telling you what's wrong. But I'm telling you in a very constructive way. Yeah. But it's only constructive if the person that you're telling it to builds something out of the criticism. Right. If they're insulted and they say, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, futile. So, so, so um, you're young and you're busy and active. Um, what, what, the, what are you interested in? This is your chance to advertise. Uh, do you want to edit? Are you, you want to reach out to the people who write children's material. This is your chance to... Well, luckily for me, I'm loaded with work. I keep getting lots and lots of work from many, many places, even from out abroad. So I'm not really looking now for anything. On the contrary, I'm looking for some quiet, so maybe something will surge from myself and I will write something. Who knows? Like, yes, um, I, I would definitely like to, um, to see what you write. Well, that's a good um, wake-up call. And I, I, promise, I promise to give you only advice. Great. I don't mind. I like criticism, by the way. Of I course like you do. <laughs> I like it when they criticize my work. Of course I you learn. do. But that, that's your profession. Right. <laughs> so um, our final question for today uh, and I hope that this is the beginning of a wonderful uh, professional friendship. Uh, Great. Um, 
What about the Beatles? We haven't talked about the Beatles. You grew up on the Beatles. Of course. I adored them and I still do. Okay, what's your, favorite, what's your favorite Beatles song? Um, wow, there are so many. I think uh, Happiness is a Warm Gun comes to mind right now. Bang, bang, shoot, shoot. Yep, yep. From, yep. The, from the so-called White Album. Right. Wow, that's, <laughs> that's quite special. I love um, is, is, there any, is there anything you, you'd like to say before we, uh, we uh, thank you so much for coming on the show? And, you know, we just talked about it today and you're here already. So I think I'm just, you know, very honored. Thank you. Me too. I'm also very honored. And thank you so much for inviting me. I would just like to say that everybody should remember that children books could be a bomb sometimes. They could change lives. Before you give books to your young children, please read them by yourself. Think how you would feel if you were a child. Does it empower you? Does it make you feel sad and weak? And then think if you want to give it to your beloved child or grandchild. I think that that's wonderful advice. And I, I mean, um, I think that the reason that we write for children and this has happened to me on occasion, but only on occasion, is when a child really loves one of your books, it's like the same way that, you know, I grew up and I, I loved the uh, uh, Madeline, mm. Ludwig Bemelman. And this has been with me my whole life. Right. And, and Alice in Wonderland. You know, why did I write uh, that the manuscript? It's unpublished, so we won't talk about it, but Emily saw a door, right? I thought about it. Yeah, of course, it derives directly from, from, uh, from Alice in Wonderland. I'm, I'm reading now The 10,000 Doors of January. Did you hear, hear about that book? No, but I will look at it. I up. think it, it comes also from this 10,000 Doors, the, a girl that finds, looks for doors to pass through them to other worlds. Beautiful. Recommended, not for children, by the way. No, I, I don't. Could be for children too, but it's I, a I, I don't read adult books very much because I don't want to grow up. You know, I had a career growing up, and then I said, "Oh, that's no fun." <laughs> well, I'm not afraid of it anymore. I will never grow up, even if I read lots and lots of. Uh, okay, so that's that's really good advice. <laughs> so, like, your advice is: don't worry, you can read. Don't adult worry, books. you won't. You're never, you're never going to grow up anyway. Right. If you had by now, it's lost. It's a lost case. Atara Ofek, this has been outstanding. Thank and you. We'll continue. Uh, we'll continue offline. Gladly. Until we find some uh, terrific mode of cooperation. Great. Thank you very much. And thanks to my uh, student Carmela for connecting us. Right. Thank you, Carmela. Quite incredible. Uh, I'm not going to say have a lovely Tisha uh, B'Av. Um, no. Have a, have a significant Tisha Thank you very much. It was great meeting you. Thank I, you. Uh, Same here. I have no words, and usually I have lots of words. So I'll okay. just say thank you. Bye, Atara. Bye.